reached bloodthirsty times my name is octavio and i'm will and i'm emily welcome back to another installment of our lesser known serial killer series today we wrap up our three-part series on the killer known as the grim sleeper we hope you're enjoying learning about people that are not bundy or gacy or any of those weirdly famous people don't know why they're famous but whatever um, but uh, make sure your car has low jack and uh, join us in these bloodthirsty times. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. They are a product of the times and these are bloodthirsty times. Let's just uh, start this off right away with happy birthday, Will. Oh, thank you. Happy birthday, yeah. buddy. Thank you. Happy birthday. We, we hope you're we hope you're not too hungover, man. I'm pretty hungover. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That that sounds about right. That's that's acceptable today. If you didn't know, this is our fourth, third take, fourth take. Yeah. This is our fourth yeah. try, third try doing this. Yeah. Third try. So. Yeah. It's the charm. That's what they say. The third time is the charm. There's plenty of daylight and a lot of alcohol left. Gotta get through that. But thank you for uh, the birthday wishes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely, uh, well, I got really loud, really quick. Uh, Uh, Richard, uh, calm down there, buddy. Easy, dude. Easy with the synth, man. (laughs) Um, I definitely don't feel older, except for my knee. My knee will tell you differently. Yeah, dude, I, I, I somehow slept wrong, and my shoulder hates me today, so I feel you. Yeah. No, I, I can't squat. Like, I can't do the one-hand <laughs> squat challenge, you know? <laughs> yeah. You squat? I can't. No, I think, I think you could. I think you can do it. Well, I, one can day, I? I'm, yeah, you're going to have to see me. I'm going to have to see you do it. I mean, I'm going to watch both of you do it as well, so <laughs> we're all going to do the challenge at the same time. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, the other thing, um, I don't know if you guys could tell, but Emily is not feeling very well today, so she will be here to oh talk God. if she can. Richard needs to calm down before he gets fired. You know what? Um, you can go. Yeah, you're done for today, Richard. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Emily is, um, her lost her voice. I don't... Uh, she has a frog in her throat. Yeah. Is that how it's saying? So she's, she's here with us, but she definitely doesn't feel good, so if she talks... Uh, she'll she'll still talk, but just know that uh, you might not understand it. Yeah, she's being a trooper by being here with us. Really, what? What did you I say? Said you might not understand it. Yep. Mm. <laughs> that's that's Emily with a lost voice. Yep. Still nothing. I don't. I didn't. What? No, not that. Don't, don't, don't. No, you're fine. Okay. You're fine. Okay. We'll let Octavia talk for you. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. This was Emily's. This was supposed to be Emily's. This this was supposed to be Emily's uh, story to tell. But uh, I, I'm doing it for her since um, she doesn't feel good. So we uh, we're a team here. So you know, it's not a big deal. Thanks. I appreciate your help. You can just or just sit all... there and watch. Yeah, you can okay. sit there and look pretty. <laughs> I was gonna say that, but then I didn't want you to get jealous. Thing. <laughs> Right, you say that to me? You're not trying to make Emily not jealous, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Gosh. Well, yeah. Uh, no, oh, we might have to do it a fifth time. So. <laughs> Definitely what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, last All right, week, last week we left off with the uh, 800 task force that was created in 2007 to find the killer known. As, originally as the 25 caliber killer and later renamed the grim sleeper by christine pelisek in an la weekly article well in 2010 after three years of exhausting every avenue they could to track down this killer they finally got a lead when they used familial dna to get a match a recent arrest and subsequent dna swab had come back as a hit for someone related to the dna that they had on file for the murder, and uh, finally, on July 7th, 2010, that DNA match led to the arrest of Lonnie David Franklin Jr. So, now that we have a name to the killer, who who is Lonnie? What's his story? Well, I'm glad you asked, because frustratingly, Lonnie's story is filled with many, many run-ins with the police uh, for very serious crimes and also very petty crimes, um, but... Lonnie David Franklin Jr. was born on August 30th, 1952 in Los Angeles. His parents were Ruby and Lonnie Sr. And they were your average parents in the 50s. I mean, like the dad worked full time and the mom went to beauty school. You know, that old gem, everyone in the 50s went to beauty school. Um, and that is until one day while Ruby was pregnant with Lonnie Jr., they were involved in a head-on collision that ejected Ruby from the vehicle and she sustained pretty serious injuries. I mean, like it was bad enough, like the accident and the injury was, they had to reattach her left ankle completely. It was just, it was either it was fully severed or it was partially severed. Like it was like hanging on by like a, a thread or it was completely out. But either way, the, while she was pregnant with Lonnie, it was, it was serious. Hanging on, my, hanging on my tendon. The tendon, yeah. No. Yeah. It's or right. it's I, close enough. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, I, I've heard both versions is uh, that it's completely off or that it was just like kind of like hanging there, you know? Yeah, dang it. Little, little yeah just dang. Yeah. But yeah, that's how, I mean, she was pregnant with, the, with her kid too at the time. So, I mean, somehow though, miraculously, Lonnie Jr. survived and he grew up in a, in a couple different houses in South LA, like one or two houses. They moved around, but not a lot. Um, and he had a younger sister, Patricia. Now, I'm not sure if this was a side effect of being involved in such a gnarly accident while in the womb, but Lonnie Jr. was always sick and had like these debilitating migraines that would stay with him until his early 40s. And these were the type of migraines that the only way to even like begin to deal with them is to lie completely still in a dark room with as little stimuli as possible. You know what I mean? Like you just, you have to like no, no outside stimuli at all. Like just dark room, no noise, because otherwise he felt like, felt like his head was gonna explode. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that before. 
Because yeah. I have like massive migraines. Like I just mm -hmm. have to lay down. Put a, like, Shut the cold, fuck up. <laughs> cold towel yeah. over my eyes and just lay in complete darkness. Because mm -hmm. light and sound exacerbates the, the migraines. So. Yeah, so in his later years, he also had bleeding ulcers. I don't know. That just might be his him getting older, but I don't. still doesn't sound normal to me. No, it sounds like oh, an, uh, intestinal ulcers, like yeah. if you drink too much Coke and stuff, like GERD. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So as a kid in grade school, he didn't do very well. Um, and even with like a personal tutor, school just was not his thing. Book learning and shit is for squares, am I right? Right? You're right. <laughs> In high school, he was in a program that allowed him to go to school in the morning and then go to work after. At some point in his high school years, he realized that he didn't need school to help him learn cars good. He really excelled at being a mechanic, and that skill would be something he kept using for the rest of his life. And a lot of times, it was used for nefarious reasons. It's not very surprising, though, because Lonnie's dad had taught Lonnie Jr. how to drive at the age of seven. Then, at the age of eight, he got drunk off some stout malt liquor for the first time. And then at 14, he had his very first car, like all to himself, and his dad would let him drive around the block. Um, and, you know, he couldn't go far, but down the street or whatever, but it was his own car. And uh, this just proves that dudes who drive get all the chicks because also at the age of 14, Lonnie lost his virginity. So, get you a car. <laughs> It was young. <laughs> I want to pass on that. <laughs> All right. So okay, two I, years. What? How old are you? How old are you? Uh, well, when I officially lost my virginity, eight. Wait. And how can you unofficially lose it? All tugging. Yeah, there's other. Wait, methods. what? There's other methods to. Okay, then that's not your virginity. You went to spoof, third base. To spoof the goo. Oh <laughs> As they, I don't. I've never heard anyone say that, but it sounds wonderful. How old were you, Octavio? Sixteen, yep. I think. When I... I, I think I was fifteen. I'm not sure. <laughs> I lost count. But. Yeah, doesn't matter. I know Emily was fifteen, wasn't she? Yeah. yeah. How old were you? Yeah, Emily was fifteen. I think I've oh. heard her say fifteen. We'll go with that. Oh, okay. junior, like uh, junior, uh, sophomore? sophomore. I think I was, I was a freshman. Freshman. Uh, okay, there you go. That's See? crazy because I was a freshman at thirteen. So when I was fifteen, I was a junior. Yeah. So Emily was a freshman. You were a junior. I was out of high school. Nerd. <clears throat> so two years later, at the age of 16, <laughs> Lonnie was arrested for the first time for Grand Theft Auto. The very next year, he was arrested again for burglary. Right before he was about to graduate, I'm talking like 10 days before he was uh, about to graduate, he was expelled for getting into a fight at school. 
After his expulsion, he worked some part-time job until his dad told him he needed to get his shit together and join the military or something. He needed to become a man and the army could do that for him. So on July 26, 1971, he joined up and six months later, he was deployed to Germany, which proved to not be a good thing for Lonnie, at least not his mental state, because in April of 1974, just a little over two years after arriving in Germany, he was arrested by German police for the kidnap and rape of a 17-year-old German girl named Ingrid. So that night, Ingrid was, Ingrid was waiting for a train to take her home after seeing her boyfriend. While she was standing there, a little Fiat with three black guys in it pulled up and two of them got out and walked up to her because they needed directions. Instead of letting her answer, though, the two dudes grabbed Ingrid and forced her into the back seat of the small car. Once inside, one of the guys held a 12-inch knife to her throat and said, I'll kill you. Batman. Which, even though there was a language barrier, she definitely understood what he was saying to her. The car sped off and drove around for a little while until it finally came to a stop in a dark, empty field. The driver shut off the car and forced her to take off her clothes, and then the three of them took turns raping this poor girl, all the while still holding the knife to her throat. They took things up a notch when they started to cut at her stomach while threatening to kill her, which gives me like Lululemon vibes. You know, remember that? Like the, the whole situation she created for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it gives me those kind of vibes, except this actually happened and wasn't a made up story by some psycho killer girl. Um, yes. But, but for some reason, her attackers decided to hold up a flashlight so the third guy can take pictures. Like, that's, it, I, for some reason, that feels like, why would you take pictures of you brutally attacking a woman? I don't understand that. But Ingrid stayed calm and tried to be friendly with them as to not anger, anger them and hopefully get them to stop. After they felt they had done enough, they allowed her to get dressed and drove her back to her house. Like she was giving them directions like this was like a regular encounter and not a brutal attack. She stayed very cordial and like made chit chat with them. Um, and then afterwards, when they dropped her off, she even gave the driver, which was Lonnie, her phone number so they could go out again. What? Obviously, she didn't mean a single fucking word of it, but she hoped that she had charmed them enough to get them to be a fucking stupid person and actually call her so she could get a second date with them, meaning she knew exactly where and when her attackers were going to be and could direct the police to them. It, like, it, she just oh. got, like, attacked with a knife, like a 12-inch knife, like a foot-long knife, and she had enough, like, sense still that you know under such dire circumstances she gave him her phone number you know it it was an iffy plan anyways because like who would rape a random woman and then think now i can go on a real date with her like like no one is that dumb right like you even if you just i mean there are pretty dumb people in this world but there are people that are that i think this proves of who's dumb enough to fall for that yeah, because the next day Lonnie called Ingrid for a second date. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> someone's before. It's Lonnie. I don't know why. Like, what you have to be some kind. Yeah, you have to be some kind of like narcissist, I guess, to think like that woman enjoyed this brutal rape with a knife to her throat. I'm going to go out with her again. Like, it's just like, what the f- that doesn't compute. What the fuck? <laughs> 
it doesn't for the normal person, but for him, it yeah, it, that was probably like the norm. He was like the <laughs> dominant, like type of guy where just like yeah, she'll call me for sure. Yeah, she loved it. Yeah, she loved it. Yeah, oh, yeah. But when they dropped her off, though, um, Ingrid had tried her best to scrub the attack off of her. You know, one of those hot showers. You just you can't scrub your skin enough. You can't wash yourself enough of the day. You know what I mean? She just was in there probably for a couple hours, really just trying to get the 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 attack off of her. And then the next day she woke up, or actually they dropped her off at like 5 a.m. So the same day after her shower, uh, she went straight to the police to report the vicious attack. But unfortunately, it seems asshole cops are not a uniquely American thing because these German cops didn't believe her they even accused her of not only straight up making everything up but if it were true she must have been a sex worker and that's how she ended up in that situation essentially saying she had deserved what happened to her luckily for her though another young woman had reported a similar attack with the same description of the perpetrators except in that case someone had witnessed the attempted kidnapping and yelled for the police and the three men um, the three black men dropped the girl and drove off. But it's crazy to think that if they hadn't failed at their first attempt, like this happened like literally an hour before Ingrid's attack, the police might not have believed her. It's crazy. So the next day, police had figured they must be American military because three black guys in Germany at, in near a military base just put two and two together. Um, so they made contact with the base, um, and then Ingrid had set up a date with Lonnie and agreed to meet him outside the base's gate. As Ingrid stood there waiting uh, for Lonnie to come out, both German and military police were nearby waiting for Ingrid to give them the signal that this was the guy who attacked her. And that signal was just dropping her um, handkerchief on the ground. So... Uh, when she saw Lonnie and he got close enough, she dropped her handkerchief, which was the signal, and a bunch of cops swooped in to arrest Lonnie. He didn't put up a fight, and when they patted him down, they found that same foot-long knife in his pants. So apparently Lonnie had set up the date so he could kill Ingrid, and in doing so, get rid of any witnesses. So maybe he wasn't dumb. Like, he wasn't thinking that this girl likes me. He wanted to finish the job what it seems like so for Lonnie yeah. this was a lesson that he would learn from for the rest of his criminal career and that lesson was dead women can't lead the cops to you he's still stupid pretty, but I get it oh yeah brutal yeah. lesson yeah yeah and he really we know we know all about his murders he really stuck to that he really because uh, Anitra was the last one attacked that we know of and she was alive, so he probably was ducked down and stayed, you know, out of stayed out of trouble, I guess, for that time. But he he didn't. But you know what I mean. He didn't kill anybody else. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so usually German police let the American military handle their soldiers when it comes to any trouble that they get into while in Germany. But German officials were concerned the three men would get a slap on the wrist for such a serious crime. So they decided to press charges in German court. 
They told a bunch of stories about how they didn't rape Ingrid and that she had agreed to everything that happened, citing her giving Lonnie her phone number as proof. But pretty quickly, though, they all caved and blamed each other. And somehow, even though Lonnie had the weapon that he used to attack Ingrid on him at the time of the arrest, he still managed to convince them that the other two were the real people behind the attack. And he was just going along with it. And in fact, he didn't even actually rape her because he couldn't get his dick hard. At the end of the trial in 1975, the two men Lonnie was with received four years in prison. And since Lonnie was seen as less of a threat, he was only given three. As a result, he was also given a general discharge from the army and his two buddies were dishonorably discharged from the army. So what you're saying is because he couldn't get his dick hard, he was uh, let go? Given Lester of a sentence, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what... I don't know, dude. I don't know what his lawyers are what happened it also helped that his mom flew up there for three months to germany to stand with him at his rape trial uh if that were my kid good luck to you kid i'm not going to germany well have you watched the amber heard uh johnny depp we've watched some of the videos yeah oh man it's the same thing it's like every single sentence that johnny depp spews out it's like hearsay i'm gonna strike that is uh hearsay johnny depp's like what Oh, so anything I say is hearsay? Yep. Hmm. Cool. I really want to see it like start to finish because the little bitty clips are not g- good enough to get a read of what's going on. Oh, you can at, watch at this long, point, you can watch yeah, at this point, on it. they're and they're both assholes at this point. I, I don't know. They're both well, not looking good. Well, Amber who definitely took a shit in the bed and also was an yeah, she definitely did. Uh, yeah. Johnny Depp is just a bad drunk. Hmm. Like when it comes down to yeah, the way the videos look that I've seen, it doesn't make either of them look like the better person at all. The no, ones I've just... seen make her look horrible, where she admitted no, yeah, to hitting yeah, definitely. Amber. Oh, Amber's yeah. definitely looking worse. Yeah, Amber Heard is a a literal piece of shit. Uh, Johnny Depp just isn't a great drunk. Hmm. They showed video of it, like him being all pissed off and like slamming. The, like, yeah, at that bar, the, he slammed like that whole bottle of wine, and then he slammed some doors or some shit. Yeah, but okay. Mm. Did he hit her? No. No, but I love the fact that she's sitting there trying to explain how she did not punch him; she hit him, and like is oh, trying yeah. to hit oh, yeah. him again with the same type and of motion. Like, she said, "I'm not punching baby. you. I'm not punching yeah. you. I'm hitting yeah, you." Yeah, and don't be yeah. a baby. You're being a baby. Like fuck you. Uh, Amber Heard's piece of shit. Mm, I agree. I agree. As so when Lonnie, is, she's still. <laughs> you know, I don't think she's that great looking. I don't know, dude. Have you seen her naked? No. Well, was she part of the fappening? Mm, no, she's been naked in movies. Oh, okay. Um, that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's still not a good person at all and i think that's what makes her not good looking to me is because i how she's acting you know what i mean i, I oh yeah I, I, that's yeah. that's a severe like <clears throat> turn off turn off yeah turn off but yeah i just the only I, one I, she was in pineapple express right she was the girl in pineapple express uh you're really pulling my knowledge memory there movies. 
Mm. But anyways, uh, yeah, she's not a good person. Yeah. Like just like this, like they try and spotlight someone and making them seem like they're better than they are supposed to be. And yeah, yeah, like a piece of shit. I think they're doing like moment by moment. It's not like an overall picture. Like, Oh, he called her. She, and then they, they made up a bunch of stories. Like she kissed him on the cheeks and she thought she really liked them. You know, it, yeah. it's just, they, they kind of put the onus on her even like she led them on, you know, she wouldn't, this wouldn't happen if, you know, blah, 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 blaming the victim basically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when, so this happened in 1975, or 74 this happened in 74 in 1975 he was sentenced to three years uh and then when lonnie returned home in 1976 um you know because 75 to 76 is three years apparently uh, uh probably let off on good good behavior i also think because i think they counted the trial as a year so mm-hmm. maybe total he served two years no, it, one it, and a half years it does yeah yeah the, the trial so, part does actually count as time served so yeah so i mean even then though that's up to two years yeah. you know at most which i don't even think it was a full two years but anyways back in uh, back home in los angeles in 1976 he met sylvia lino who would become his wife just one year later um again which is crazy to me because he was given a three-year sentence so he shouldn't be in los angeles right now anyway but then another year after that in 1978 they had their first child named crystal and in 1981 they had their son christopher they lived in South Central, where Lonnie managed a gas station at first. Then he was a scheduler for veterans affairs. Like, I, I think it was medical stuff. Like, he was a medical scheduler, I think. And then after that, he, he was, a, yeah. Then he was a security guard after that, and then a truck driver. Uh, somehow, after that, he ended up as, like, a party coordinator. And then in 1981, he was working for the LAPD as a garage attendant. Uh, for a while, but then he was offered a position as the LAPD's mechanic helper, and he did that for about a year, and then in 1983, he left that and went to work for the Department of Sanitation. So, yeah, he had, he had a lot of jobs in L.A. How, how do you get a government job with that background? Uh, I guess it was pretty lax back in the 80s. I don't. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was, and plus it was in Germany. I don't, I don't know if it takes some pull to get those records because well, it was in German court. It was in German court. It wasn't through the military. Yeah, but LAPD should, he, like one of the biggest law enforcement agencies aside from the NYPD, Yeah. Um, you would think they would scour their background. Apparently not. Yeah. But like this is this is eighty three though, and even um, one of the biggest in eighty five, the Night Stalker did his thing in L A. Right, and even they had problems, and they were only different counties. So they the problem with catching Night Stalker was that they didn't coordinate their information one county to the other, just a few miles. Imagine getting those records from Germany; they ain't gonna go that far. Plus, he was uh, he was generally discharged, not dishonorably discharged. So they didn't really look into like it wasn't it's a it's not a good thing but it's not a it's not a fucking it's, it's not gonna ruin your life it's an oth other than honorable yeah so dishonorable he would not have worked in anything even close to government related no but you would so, assume that lapd would do a better job of uh 
like you know background you know sh- background checking people that especially they're going to be like one of the major mechanics for the fleet yeah like, but you know what assuming does right oh i know, I know. <laughs> so out of you and me so he seemed to actually enjoy being a garbage man because it paid a lot more plus he was allowed to work a bunch of overtime um but it's funny that that was one of the things that he cited as a good reason to work there because he didn't like to work <laughs> throughout his time with a sanitation company. Uh, he had many injury claims and he told his company that he had limited use of his right hand due to, or right arm in general due to a rotator cuff injury. And uh, this first claim was only six months after he was hired. Uh, these injury claims and subsequent leave from work all coincided with when the bodies were being found in Los Angeles. Every time he had a new claim, there would be a new body. So, uh, yeah. And and the crazy thing is, is that nobody is even actually really sure if he was actually injured in any of these claims at all. I don't know if he had a friend doctor that he just got them to sign off on things or what, but it's not clear whether he actually suffered rotator cuff injury even like none, none of the stuff that he claimed what's even worse is like being that big of an employer um especially government you, you can't uh second guess uh their claims for the most part you can't say that's bullshit yeah you're you're fucking around with the you you can't pull that cord because that'll turn around like they, they will take you to court for that in, in an instant. You're, yeah. You, you lost it all, and now LAPD is $6 million short of their funding because this asshole said he had a rotator cuff injury that happened outside of work, and you can't well, this, that he, happened at this work, point, and it's a whole... At this point, this is, he's in the, a different government agency. He's in the sanitation department. Well, still the county. It's garbage yeah, it's still, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a different... Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, um, but it's funny you say that because um, like Lonnie continued like this for years, like he claim after claim until finally in November of 1991, uh, after three separate orthopedists examined Lonnie because he was officially applying for disability. He didn't want to work anymore at all because of these injuries. So he was officially applying for disability and it took three doctors to do this because the first one said, you're perfectly fine. You can go back to work. There's nothing wrong with you. Staying in the workforce is what you need to do. But then his second opinion said, uh, no, he can't work anymore. He can no longer do his job properly and safely. So he needs to be on disability. So a third tiebreaker doctor was brought in. And that doctor decided that Lonnie was not able to reenter the workforce. Not the father. (laughs) So Lonnie was free and clear to do whatever he wanted. And it turns out what Lonnie wanted to do is run a chop shop out of his Giants three-car garage in the back of his house. Uh, and actually, if you, if you watch the Grim Sleeper documentary, you can see that garage and his mint greenhouse in the back. It's actually, it's for being in L.A. city, like proper like county or uh, city limits, it's, it's a big backyard. Like that's It's a big garage. <clears throat> Pretty good. Yeah. So the people in his neighborhood, they liked Lonnie. And if you watch, again, like if you watch the Grim Sleeper documentary, you can see that he had lots of friends and they knew Lonnie's ways. Uh, they 
actually only interview his friends in the documentary and uh they all yeah they all talk about Lonnie and how he was you know just a dad and then a grandfather and like if you needed your car worked on you could count on Lonnie hell he might even do the work for free if you were from his hood Lonnie didn't do drugs and according to Lonnie he was actually a teetotaler even though he was known to have drinks socially so he wasn't a teetotaler he just claimed he was what is a teetotaler Oh, teetotaler uh, doesn't drink alcohol. Yeah, it's like an alcohol abstinence group. Yeah. Oh, okay. We've, we've covered uh, Richard Speck's parents were a teetotaler, and there was, I think there's two more that we've covered that were teetotalers as well. Yeah. But they were actual teetotalers, not like this guy who just said he was. Um, so he Lonnie was the guy in the neighborhood that would stop you even if you're speeding down the street. Like he would literally walk out into the road, even if you're going like 80 miles an hour and stop you. And once he had you, he was the guy that wouldn't shut the fuck up. No matter how many times you said, well, or that's crazy. Or even if you said, man, would you look at the time? It didn't matter. He would just talk about anything and everybody. He loved his gossip. Lonnie also showcased this duality of being like in a healthy marriage, but at the same time, everyone knew he had a lot of what he called his girls, which were the sex workers he would pick up. And a lot of times he would make home porno movies with them, or he would take Polaroid pictures of them, either completely nude in very provocative poses or scantily clad, but still in very provocative uh, poses. And the crazy part is he had hundreds of these photos and he kept them like playing cards in big binders that he loved to show people. And it's just crazy that he wanted his neighbors to think he was just a good husband and a family man, but then at the same time show those neighbors his Polaroid collection. Like you can't be both, my guy. Like you, these the same people that are judge you think are judging you in your marriage are the same people you're showing these porn collections to. Yeah. Yeah. So to bolster his sexual conquest collection, he also had a bunch of panties and bras that he kept from his encounters. And he would also show all of that to the people uh, and even offer to give them away to some lucky ladies. Uh, you want yeah. dirty panties and stuff? I, dude, I don't know what circumstances he gave. He would give the panties to people. I, I really don't know. Um. So if you're wondering how Sylvia never found them, uh, any of this stuff, the, the videos, the panties, the undergarments, or the, the Polaroids even, um, it's because Lonnie kept them in his garage and in his camper. But I also think it's because she was actively ignoring all the stupid shit he was doing because people would talk and, you know, there's just no way she didn't know about the, at least his infidelities. There's no way. I, I don't see how she could. People in the neighborhood talk, and she had to have come across something at some point. Yeah, small small town. Someone's going to say something. It's, it's inevitable. Yeah. yeah, I just... She says she didn't know, them, So I'm, I'm, that's what she said. We're going to believe her, but, you know... Ignorance is bliss, right? Absolutely, especially in something like this. Like, like even Lonnie was concerned about his public image, and seemed, she was a churchgoer, so she was probably concerned about it as well. Age yeah, pretty so, not to know. It's a sad reality for a lot of people, I think. So, again, in the Grim Sleeper documentary, you can actually see these binders with the photos in them. It blurs them out, but you can see, like, he kept them like playing cards. Like, like 
his Pokemon collection or something. Like he just had page after page of nude photos. And um, but okay, so this it's so this isn't funny because of the context of you know murder, but I couldn't help but laugh because in the audiobook, when the narrator is talking about how he would uh, tell people about this stuff with like talk about this with his friends, the book said that he had names for his conquests. And I was like, okay, he made up names for them. And I was expecting like one to be called like stripper names, like Chandelier. And then this one is Diamond, you know, the, you sure. know regular, yeah, regular stripper names or, you know, whatever, um, or something like that. No, this motherfucker, he would nickname them based on something on their body that he happened to notice. Again, the fact that he called them these disgusting nicknames isn't what's funny. It's just that the book caught me off guard. So, um, <laughs> the nicknames were uh, nicknames like Droopy Titties and Skinny Leg. And they, they said those names in the book and it just caught me off guard of like <laughs> Droopy Titties in this very like serious context. I'm like, how do you say Droopy Titties in a serious tone? <laughs> I, I can't even do it now. Can't. No. So, yeah, like, again, I'm not laughing. Like, <laughs> if you think about strippers and stuff, you're like, yo, Deputy Drooper over here, those droopy titties. Like, what? Yeah, excuse me, sir. What would you say? Uh, what? Deputy Drooper. Yeah, get her over. Uh, who? You know. Oh, you know, you know, you know, you Deputy know, Droop. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Deputy yeah. Droop, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> aside from the sex workers he picked up, he had four actual girlfriends between when he got married to. Uh, his wife, and when he was arrested for the murders. So not only did he have the sex workers aside, he had four like actual long-term girlfriends during this time. So as much as Lonnie was known... Tilly. Dog. As much as Lonnie was known around the neighborhood, they didn't know the real Lonnie. And not only because of the whole murdering women thing, most people also didn't know that Lonnie was constantly in and out of jail. And getting into legal trouble with things like burglary, grand theft, carrying a loaded firearm, possession of burglary tools, and assault with a deadly weapon, a firearm. All of these charges were happening during the time he was out killing women, and the Southside Slayer Task Force was looking for the 25 caliber killer. So they had, had run-ins with the 25 caliber killer many times, they just didn't know it. In early 1993, after being surveilled by the police for being a major receiver of stolen goods in all of Los Angeles County, the police raided his property because he was stripping cars. He was caught red-handed working on a stolen Toyota with his 11-year-old son, and when asked about the car, Lonnie claimed he had just bought it, but the VIN came back as belonging to a stolen car. Surprise, surprise. After he was arrested, an investigation into his garage found a bunch of other car parts with identification numbers that belonged to stolen vehicles all around Southern California. As a result, he was charged with six counts of Grand Theft Auto, and I don't know if ironically is the right word here, but Judge Kathleen Kennedy was presiding over this case, and over 20 years later, the same judge would be presiding over his murder trial. I don't know if that's irony or just happenstance, but it's crazy. 20 years apart and he had the same judge. Mm. I think the so, uh, judges in that circuit stay for a pretty good amount of time. 
Yeah, but I mean, there are other judges. I just think it's interesting that his the first major crime he did had the same judge as the last crime he did. Yeah. But um, yeah. So Lonnie ended up deciding to avoid a trial and pled guilty to all six counts. He was sentenced to exactly one year in jail for his crimes. Six counts of grand theft auto, you get exactly one year. And even then, due to overcrowding, he would end up serving only four months. Aside from jail time, he was also put on probation for three years. And somehow over the next decade, Lonnie would avoid any more jail time despite being arrested several more times, including another Grand Theft Auto charge. But also, he was arrested for causing great bodily injury when he got into an argument with one of his girlfriends. And during that fight, he was driving... So the woman, they were arguing really bad. So during that fight, the woman turned off the car while it was moving and then tried to jump out when it stopped. But Lonnie grabbed her and pulled her back inside and uh, and hit her, like punched her in the face, and then was holding on to her. And with her still halfway out of the car, he started driving again and dragged her legs on the ground over like a short distance. Then he stopped and tried to pull his girlfriend all the way back in but she luckily she managed to break free and took off running. And that's when a bystander jumped in the car and just knocked the shit out of Lonnie. Just jumped in the seat and just punched the fuck out of him. And then he was arrested. But still, no jail time for that. For dragging your girlfriend on the street with a car. No jail time. It's crazy. Again, this is what the... 90s now i think i think i think we're in the 90s now yeah i believe possibly yeah we're in the yeah. 90s yeah they uh i don't think they prioritize those types of incidents i don't i don't think they did no it's just well it's proof i mean it's well not one of the instances of proof that they didn't give a shit about that type of like domestic that, that neighborhood yeah like, all right, we'll let it go. But what's crazy is like he avoided oh, jail you, time, even though he dragged, had dragged another him. he had another Grand Theft Auto charge against him. And he didn't go to like he already had a record. Tilly, he already had a record of stealing cars, and then he got it like basically slap on, slap on the wrist. And so when he did it again, you would think like, all right, you're going to jail for the full year this time at least. But no, he didn't no. go to jail for anything for the next ten years after that first charge. He didn't. It was never put back in jail or prison. Slap on the wrist. Slap it. So, yeah. And then in December of 2003, an Infinity with Lojack had been stolen from the Glendale Galleria. Is that still there? Uh, There's a pretty... I don't know if the the gallery is there, but there's a pretty big shopping center in the Glendale, like downtown Glendale area. Yeah. The only one that I remember from being back there is the Tyler Gallery. Well, that, River- that was in Riverside. Yeah, that's the only one that I remember. I don't think I've ever been to the Glendale Gallery. No, Glendale. Anyways, like, like Glendale's like deep LA, and they have mm-hmm. a they have a pretty like like really cool downtown like vibe to it. So like skyscrapers, but it still has like a downtown feel to it. I don't know if they have a the gallery, gallery or anything, but they they do have a a pretty big like shopping uh, area, I guess you'd say. Well, anyways, in 2003, an Infinity was stolen from there. And like I said, it had Lojack. 
And when the police used the LoJack to track where it was, can you guys guess where it ended up? Anybody? Lonnie's house? Lonnie's house. That's right. Good job. You get a point. Yeah, you did good. Yeah. So when they got there, Lonnie was actually getting into the infinity <laughs> to move it uh, to the other side of the street. So at 50 years old, Lonnie was arrested again. And remember, this happened in late 2003. So by this point, the Grim Sleeper had already claimed two more victims. And uh, also just a little funny side note here. When Lonnie parked the car across the street, you know, he likes to talk. He likes to stop and gab with his neighbors, right? So he stopped to talk to a neighbor and was still talking to that neighbor when the police arrested him. And then when the police were talking to that neighbor, uh, a Ruger pistol fell out of the guy's pants and he was arrested because he was a parolee and was not supposed to have any weapons on him. So, you know, play stupid games. Get what you deserve. Wait, oh, in stupid prices. Um, yeah, that too. Mm hmm. <laughs> Although, so at, if you're a parolee, why, why do you have, actually don't answer that? Yeah, don't no, answer that. Don't, you gotta keep that thing on you, is all you know. Don't answer that. So it's a, it's a stupid ass <laughs> question with a stupider fucking answer. Yeah. Yeah. So at this new trial, Lonnie was sentenced to nine months, but yet again, due to overcrowding, he was let go early. <sighs> All right, so now that we know about Lonnie's early life up until he was arrested for the last time, let's talk about what happened after that. Because um, after he was arrested, it's its own can of worms. It, it's a whole other shit show. So, uh, okay, so immediately after he was arrested, they interrogated him for hours on end, right? And then during that interrogation, they laid, laid out exactly how there's no denying that you, Lonnie David Franklin Jr., were involved in every single one of these murders because his human saliva, which um, I actually learned is called human detritus. Uh, that's a word I, I learned in the book. They called okay, it human detritus over and over. And I was like, oh, what is human detritus? And I was like, oh, it's just, you know, uh, fluids. Yeah, fluids. So that's, that's a, a cool new word. It. I like it. Yeah. Bit. So, uh, yeah, his human detritus or saliva was found on every single body, every single one of them. And they told him how it didn't matter what he said. There's no getting out of this. But Lonnie denied ever knowing any of the women he killed. And when they asked him how his DNA ended up on women he didn't even know, he just shrugged his shoulders and reiterated that he never knew any of the victims. And actually, that's pretty much never changed. He has never admitted to doing any of these crimes. At the same time, the police had taken over Lonnie's house and they actually had officers standing watch 24-7 while they searched every inch of his house for evidence. In his three-car garage, they came across over 800 pieces of evidence, including those Polaroid pictures, 15 cell phones with even more pictures of nude women. And uh, during their search, they noticed that there was like a inside the garage, it was a patch of drywall that looked like it had recently been fixed, um, but badly because it was obvious that it was there. So they tore that piece off and looked inside the wall to find a picture hidden in the wall. This picture turned out to be a picture of Initra Washington. Holy shit. Yeah. I, I, she was a survivor, so I, I guess he tried to hide it 
or something. It's crazy that they actually found evidence that she was there. Um, and also in the garage, they found the 25 caliber copper jacketed bullets that were the, um, the same kind found at the murder scenes. Um, and so back inside the house, they found uh, the 20 inside the house itself. They found the 25 caliber gun uh, inside like one drawer that people put extra cables and random charges in. You know, the one everyone has a, the drawer with the extra cables. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, Will, the, the 25 caliber copper jacketed bullets that they found. Uh, no, they were not Lubaloy bullets. So don't ask. Was going to, but thank you for <laughs> clarifying. There were- yeah. Don't Lube say Lube? it again, though. Nope. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. They were not. They were copper jacketed. Oh, okay. So not yeah. Lubaloid? <laughs> God damn it. So, okay, yeah. Like I said, they found the gun in that drawer with all the cables, you know. And um, this happened to be the exact gun. No. Lubaloid? <laughs> nope. So this was the gun they were looking for. It matched, you know, during ballistics, they found that this is the gun that actually murdered the women. Um, and e- even further, they found a purchase receipt for the gun that was bought on February 17th, 1982, and was purchased by Lonnie's sister. Uh, police had set up a tent on Lonnie's front yard where they were they would bring anything they that they thought was evidence to be put in bags and submitted. And this whole search turned out to take three days of his house and garage. Three whole days. Like 24 hours a day. Did so Lonnie was... Purchase, what? Uh, Lubaloid bullets? You're not allowed to talk anymore. So Lonnie was facing 10 counts of murder over the span of 22 years. And the crazy part is the Grim Sleeper trial wouldn't happen until April of 2016. Six years after he was arrested. The defense ran into a ton of problems and he had chosen a lawyer like Lonnie chose a lawyer named Luisa Pensante, who wasn't really like she was a lawyer, but she wasn't qualified. Like She wasn't a qualified lawyer. Uh, like she she had never been in charge of a murder trial or something this serious before. And she also had, you know, a couple other allegations against her that she would poach. Uh, customers, uh, defendants, I don't know. Uh, so like she didn't have a good standing. Uh, so she was Rep- a def- she was a defense attorney. She was a dense defense attorney okay. for Lonnie. So like, but a, like I said, like, she like public appointed. Uh, he, no, he, he chose her. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but like I said, she had never done a murder trial before. Um, she'd never been point for one, and um, she just was kind of inexperienced. But still, you know, you're allowed to have whoever you want. Um. Oh yeah. So um, and probably one of the gnarliest reasons for uh the delay. Um, a six-year delay was because in 2014, um, one of Lonnie's def- defense, so one of Luis's defense attorney's employees, maybe past employee, had admitted to decapitating someone on behalf of Lonnie's attorney, Luisa. What? He, yeah, he claims that uh, his that Luisa, Lonnie's attorney, had told this guy who worked for her to go kill the dude. Uh, yeah. So the guy who decapitated this person was uh, a twice convicted child molester. And during his interrogation, he claimed that Lonnie's lawyer was doing illegal and unethical things. Like again, poaching clients, stuff like that, or, you know, intimidating people. Uh, She would send people out to intimidate people. And um, I guess this guy that killed the dude was 
according to him, one of the people she would send to go try to convince people to see it her way. But it turns out this dude had been represented by Louisa when he failed to register as a sex offender. And then for some reason later, she hired the dude. And again, like she treated him like a muscle. And, you know, some of his duties included convincing, convincing quotations, convincing people to choose her over somebody else. So this guy fired off all kind of all kinds of accusations toward Louisa. But at the end of the day, none of it was provable. And you have to consider the source. I mean, this guy is a pedophile and he just partially decapitated a guy. So how uh, how reliable do you think his narrative is? You know, so they had to take that into account. It could be true. Who knows? But so they don't vet like people's backgrounds. I don't know if I guess he actually worked for her. I don't know why she hired. She was defending him in a uh, molestation case. Like, I'm just seeing a lot of inconsistencies with people from California in this story. The police are stupid and fucked up. The people who live there are fucked up. The lawyers are fucked up. The system is fucked up. California, you guys need to get your shit together. I'm sorry, what was that? Shut up, you heard me. I don't. Does anyone know what she said? <laughs> Something about California? I heard, I heard California a few okay. times. Okay. Yeah, but in, in the end... Yeah, uh, like, a, like a solid Cali B, like you really like Cali burritos? I don't know. Yeah, those are really good. Any of that? Whatever. Okay, California's amazing. What? California's amazing. Uh, what? What? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> in the okay. end, they, I don't. They end I don't. Up... I can't understand a word she's saying. Do you know? Do you understand what she's saying? I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in up. the end. They had to actually have a separate trial to see if she could even practice law. And it was decided that Lonnie had the right to choose whoever he wanted. But just like in Milton Johnson's case, the judge wanted to make it clear that Lonnie um, choosing her was like, okay, this, you have all this information. You know what's happening. You know all the accusations against her. You know what's up. And this is happening up front. So later, he cannot claim mistrial because of incompetent counsel. So the judges want to be like, dude, you're choosing this woman who, to me, is not the right choice, but you have the right to do whatever you want. I just want you to know that you can't use this as a, what's it called, um, where you appeal. You can't appeal this later. So after all that, though, um, (laughs) all the bullshit about Louisa, it turned out um, she was about to have her license to practice law suspended either way. So she asked the judge to not only postpone the murder trial, but also get the bar association to hold off on suspending her license. Uh, so it was just a, her. I don't know where he found this defense attorney, but um, wish.com wish.com. She definitely he definitely got a wish <laughs> defending defense attorney. What did she say? And uh, she said wish.com. Oh. And uh, it was decided that um, at the end of that second trial, it was decided that this lawyer's personal life should not hold up such an important trial. And then after that, Lonnie was assigned new counsel. And this counsel had to do their homework and have evidence testing and yada, yada, yada. All the while, the families of the victims had been celebrating the fact that the killer was finally caught. But that quickly faded as they began to feel like the courts were not taking this seriously because it just kept getting pushed back. 
time after time. And so they started to write letters to the judge, um, not to like push the date back anymore. Like, and, and they were citing the fact that everyone has a right to a speedy trial. Um, aside from that, in California, you know, death penalty cases always take much longer anyway. And because of this, some families were getting so impatient. I mean, like I said, it took six years from the time they arrested Lonnie to when he was actually put on trial. Six years. So they, some families wrote and were talking to the judge. Uh, they told the judge, hey, look, it, the, if this is about the death penalty, take the death penalty off the table. If I do, we just need the trial to get started right away. Like if it'll help speed up the trial date, take the death penalty off. We just need justice. You know what I mean? They didn't do that, but you know, it just goes to show how, how much the families needed, um, closure them to just, yeah. Closure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. um, when I was involved in a criminal trial, uh, because someone filled me uh, taking a PP on. Oh, dude, I heard someone. I sound like you said someone filled you. No, filmed. They filmed. Okay. Yeah, they didn't they fill you. Me. No, no, not that <laughs> night. Um, <laughs> it took probably from when it happened to me getting a notification of this is going to trial. It was probably about two two years. I want to say. I didn't even recognize the guy's name. Really? It took two years just to get the notification that, hey, this is going to a criminal trial. Uh, and then I think it took another two years for me to actually uh, stand uh, as a victim mm -hmm. during the court. It, it was an extra two years before I was you had actually a part. Yeah. Well, before hey. I actually watched myself on a big screen taking a piss <clears throat> to a, a jury of my peers and the rest of the courtroom full of people I don't know and they all got to see my my dick. Oh, so, lucky bastards. I know. Yeah. Yeah, they were all so lucky. Sounds like it. Well... Yeah, this uh, this next I was part. The, I was the unlucky one because uh, you're probably, getting charged. <laughs> no, it was one of those like one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Yeah, that sounds like it. I was just joking about people being no, no, you're being lucky. No, I, yeah. I I joke about it all the time. It doesn't like I don't take any offense to like the joking of it. It just it was probably the most embarrassing thing. And the one thing I take away from it is how long it took for that to actually happen. Yeah, like I didn't realize, you know, from when it happened. Two years later, I got the notification that hey, the DA is picking up this case. Stay in touch, and yeah, that the, there was like a victim advocate that kept in in touch with me and kept sending me uh, mail and emails. But I think it was another two years after that before it even went to tr the the trial phase, like the actual in court. So four or five years. Dang, man. Between when it actually happened and when he was uh, tried for the, the the crime, it was it was crazy. Yeah, I didn't realize it took that long. Yeah, Emily had a something, but it only I think as a COVID, it got pushed back a lot. But it's, it's a little bit different. But it still took about two years. And at, when that during that time, did you feel feel a lot of anxiety? Like, dude, let's just get this over with. Like, you just want this done. Like during that time, you're just like, come on, man. Like, why, why is this taking so long? 
Like, do you have that feeling at all? Uh, for me? Yeah. Um, y- yes and no. I just wanted, like, an action to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I-, I think the the thing that um, really, like, pissed me off was they didn't tell me I was going to be watching the video. In- no one prepared you for that? This seems like something they should have done. No. Damn, that sucks. That's I went that's, in uniform. I was in my work uniform. Just to watch yourself be embarrassed on a big screen. Yes. I thought it was yeah. going to be like, oh, we're going to answer some questions, blah, blah, blah. They no didn't... one prepared you? That's crazy. No. And I was, that's crazy. I was at the end of it, I was pretty fucking livid. And the like the victim advocate chick walked me out and, and kind of like debriefed me. I'm like, Hey, why didn't you tell me that uh, you guys were going to show the video while I was there? So, well, we needed to get like an honest reaction from you. I'm like, oh, that's. I'm like, that's fucked up. I'm I'm here in uniform. Mm -hmm. Had I known I was going to look at a projector screen, big ass projector screen with my dick on it, uh, I wouldn't have worn my work uniform. And so everyone in the jury and in that courtroom can identify me. And my company that I work for, I would have yeah. just went in like plain clothes. That's yeah. It well, was, I mean that take, but I mean not downplaying your situation. That still sucks. But like take that feeling and like extrapolate it to a murder trial. Oh of your yeah, family member. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the same same concept of like if I had to wait to get handled. Yeah, if I had to wait five years or six more, years. six yeah. years to even start the trial phase. Yeah, because the trial itself was four well, months or three months. Three and a half months. And I didn't know like much about um, trials and like criminal cases, but the defense is constantly trying to push it, push it and push it and push it. Yeah, and absolutely. Because are. what they're trying to do is the, the witnesses or the people that are affected by the crime, they're trying to like dissuade them from like following uh, the, the crime. Right. So out of there, I think there was 12 people that, were filmed on camera in our in my case. Yeah. There was only three of us that actually went to trial. Because they kept yeah. pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing yeah. it back. And, and oh yeah. Were, that, and we'll talk about thing. that in a second as part of uh like I, I mentioned that later, um how they feel like that's a tactic for the people to forget about it or to yeah. like put no, it off their mind. It's a tactic to like, hey, if oh, the longer it goes sure. people and then people get to the point like, dude, just fucking get it over it. Like do whatever you gotta do. Just get like even yeah. if it's against their own benefit, they'll be like, dude, just I don't care. I want this done and over with. So there's there is a lot of that that we'll talk about. And but, I didn't uh, this, know that was a tactic. Yeah. Well I mean but it is that that's like the biggest yeah. defense tactic is push getting an extension, getting an extension, getting an extension, getting an extension. And it gets pushed in so, years and so years that and way years yeah like, so that so way when forget. they but they put a fucked up plea or whatever you you'll be exasperated and be like okay i'll fucking sign this just let's be done yeah but um this next little bit um that we're gonna talk about i wish emily's voice wasn't messed up because it was this was a thing that she pointed out last episode um but like like i said we talked about this a little bit last episode but a really big issue that pushed the court date back was how the 800 task force acquired lonnie's dna in the first place we talked about how detectives dressed up as employees of John's Incredible Pizza and took Lonnie's plate from the table. Well, now they were having pre-trial hearings to decide whether that was a legal tactic or not. 
During that trial, the defense had put Lonnie on the stand for the first and last time in his case. And the reason he was taking the stand was was to testify as to how he had expected his trash to be treated after it was cleared and not by an undercover detective. But prosecution, to be honest with you, wasn't too worried about it, though, even though if the judge, like, they weren't worried about it, but if the judge had sided with Lonnie, then pretty much their whole case would be thrown out. But um, but they weren't worried about it because they had what was called the law of abandoned property, which simply meant that police had the right to seize evidence a suspect has disposed of in a public place. And this was the, like, word for word, like, this is a quote of the defense's argument. Franklin's DNA is his property and he never gave permission to the police to take his human detritus 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 oh yeah we talked about that we talked about that saliva uh franklin had a reasonable expectation that his leftover food chewed or unchewed would be tossed uninspected into a garbage pail and then into a dumpster along with everyone else's so It is our issue that Mr. Franklin allowed his bodily fluids to be taken under control by who he thought was a restaurant employee, and he never agreed for it to be seized, individualized, or turned over to a third party. He believed it was going to be mixed, so the individualization of it would be longer identified and the general public would not have access to it until it was put into a container where you could not identify it individually as himself. Lawyer talk. Kind of, lawyer talk. Yeah, they're, they're just rambling, really. But um, that I can kind of understand that viewpoint, um, which is why they had a pretrial case in the first place. Like, they had a point. But uh, under oath, Lonnie told the judge that he did not consent to having his DNA taken and then used against him. But all the prosecutors saw was that, yeah, go on. Sorry. I was going to say, like, if you're in a public place, you can't, you don't give consent to something that you used and disposed of. Yeah. And that, that, that was exactly, like, that was like what I just read in Cliff Notes version is he had expected some privacy of, I, ate something or I licked this spoon and I put it in the garbage and they took it from me, but I didn't give consent. You, you can't give consent when it's in a public place. If it's in your own, if it's in your own home, you need a warrant. If it's in a public place. That, and that's what I'm saying. Like the prosecution was like, not worried about it. Play ball. It's free game. Yeah. So the prosecution wasn't worried about it for that reason. So instead of asking him questions of, about the immediately immediate situation, which was his expectation of the handling of his plates. Instead, they um, they chose to take this one and only chance to ask him questions directly about the rest of it. So, you know, after a few softball questions like, what's your name, blah, blah, you know, real easy stuff, they immediately got into the hardball ones. So, do you know a person by the name of Deborah Jackson? Um, and But again, Lonnie's defense saw this coming and quickly said objection because of relevance and the judge agreed. So they switched it up again. So they started with, isn't it actually true that you went with your girlfriend, Sonia, and her daughter to a birthday party? Well, I, w- I was invited by the pastor of the church. 
And isn't it true that when you went to this birthday party with your girlfriend, Sonia? Hey, she wasn't my girlfriend. She isn't your girlfriend. What is your relationship or what was your relationship in July of 2010 to Sonia? Yeah, she was an employee. She's an employee? An employee of who? Well, an employee of mine. So Lonnie answered these questions through gritted teeth because, like, Lonnie was cool with being on trial for murdering young women, but when it came to his infidelity, he was pissed that all of this was being put in public record. The prosecution's argument that any reasonable person who ate at John's Incredible Pizza would never wonder where their plates were off to or if they were being sent out to get the DNA tested from it. Uh, no, no, people don't wonder that. Most people see the busser take the plates and literally never think about them again. So the judge ruled that the DNA evidence was legally obtained. There's no yeah. expectation of privacy. Like, I, I've literally never been like, I wonder where my plate's going. No, unless you murder people and then yeah they actually did now, they brought that up in the book is like unless then, then, you know you're being tailed or you know you've done something wrong no one is going to think about where no. your trash went no one is like literally no. no one no i drink at fucking applebee's or buffalo wild wings all the time i don't watch my glass and be like are they taking a swab of my dna from my glass i've actually never wondered if they're even not just taking the actual glass out, but if they're swabbing DNA, I've never wondered that, not once. And well, I probably we, will now. I probably will. <laughs> well, when Emily's screen disappears, then yes, we're going to start <laughs> swabbing some DNA on some fucking beer flights from <laughs> Applebee's. <clears throat> but no one Applebee's ever thinks of that. You'll drink. Good yeah, drink no, no, like no one ever thinks of that. It's It's not a... Um, there's no reasonable expectation expectation of privacy uh, when you're in a public place. Yeah, and if you and like, haven't committed a crime or you you're not a suspect of a crime, you shouldn't be wary of where exactly, your glasses yeah. are going or if they're swabbing for your DNA, unless you're guilty of something, and then right. you don't go eat in public yeah i mean like them dressing up to deceive or like you know go undercover yeah i mean they got to do what they got to do i mean they he is they have reason to follow him and take his dna they have reason because he had already popped up on as a um a lead you know what i mean so yeah. they have reason to do that it's not like they just picked him and he happened to be the right guy no they they have reason to do the things they do even if it is uh shady i guess Possibly. You could say you could say questionable. You gotta but do what you gotta do. Not, yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Like if like if, I, if I go to In and Out and I'm on the on the lamb for some crime, and they're like, "Is this uh, dine in or are you gonna eat in the car?" I'm like, "I'm eating it in the car. Thank you very much." <laughs> yeah. Not leaving but, any evidence of whatever the fuck I bought for well, it's, guys. It's crazy though because if you remember last episode, we did talk about uh, how they tailed him before they got to John's Incredible Pizza for a few like three or four days, and he never threw anything away. I think. I don't. I I I have to believe that he was New. somewhat, yeah, somewhat aware that he should be careful, you know, because of who he is. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's, you know, he, and he's, he slipped up, and yeah, they they found the evidence. I, I yeah, they did. Like I, I on this show, I do criticize the police a lot. I, I know that I do. I do it a lot. I'm pretty hard what? on them because no. I expect on, I expect them to do their job 
You don't. As they as they they don't. But so but I expect that. But in you know cases like this, I know that you got to do what you got to do, even if it's deceitful. You know to not. I don't want to say for the better good because that statement is never good. For the but it, you know, good. for the greater good. But it's just um, you got to do what you got to do. You know, and, and it ended up holding up in court. So you know, it is what it is. But uh, I, I think the only reason it held up in court was because it was a public place. Yeah, absolutely. That's he. That's the only reason you you can't. If they threw, if he threw it out in his garbage at his home, you can't go into his house. But if he throws it into the garbage can and then puts the garbage can on the street side, it is now a public place. And mm-hmm. like it, you're like you are skirting the boundaries of what's legal and what's not legal when it comes to uh, getting evidence. I, I would say skirting is the right word there for sure yeah. because it, it, it is it. it is deceitful. It very much is like they had to be use almost uh, like nef- nefarious uh, thing. Like well, what's they, the word they, I'm looking for? They, they found the boundary and they were mm-hmm. like tapping. They were just like like just tapping the boundary to see how far they could go, and they found their edge, and it worked well, out for them. Yeah, if. I know you can't really talk, Emily, but I, I know you had brought this up. So if you have any thoughts real quick about it. Um, I don't feel that the undercover police officers should have been able to dress up in the building and collect the stuff before it went to the trash. I feel like it should have they should have waited until it went to the trash outside in the dumpster or whatever. And then it would have been properly collected because it was publicly disposed of. So you you want them to sift through all that trash, so possibly get a hit. If they want it bad enough, I feel like they should have collected it properly. And at that time, they were it was ruled okay. So that's just my opinion because yeah, I got you. So yeah, I'm not gonna try and make you talk more than you need to because I don't I didn't understand a word of that. Um, (laughs) When they do uh, prostitution stings, you don't think a female cop should dress up as a hooker undercover no and i feel like that's entrapment again there's a line there's There's a line they're they're skirting it they're just they're just tapping that line it's the same thing with that that evidence they're pulling from the trash and yeah there is entrapment and there is finding people that are asking like can we can go on a whole fucking tangent about but they're, they're, yeah they're like, a whole different the ethical side of it is you for the service you're not asking them they're asking you that's what makes it legal putting uh trash into a public place anyone could access that and that's why the police could obtain that um that <clears> evidence <throat> and then use it against him legally because it was then placed into a public place okay so i get that i get that point and i i agree with that part but this prostitution part is not legal because if you look at drug cases where they mail drugs from overseas to the united states and they are found hsi takes those drugs in whatever vessel they were mailed in and does a controlled drop of those drugs they actually have to use the actual drugs in the drop or it is not a legal arrest. So mm. prostitutions, you're paying a police officer portraying a prostitute 
for, for sex. You're soliciting a police officer dressed as one. So that, again, is entrapment. If she was actually a police officer and you're standing in a corner watching her be solicited, that's, another, that's a whole different story. I feel that, that just by my legal knowledge and from watching a lot of legal shows. Again, we could do a whole episode on the legality of yeah, I think in, in this things specific... and, and drugs things. And yeah. again, there are boundaries and they skirt the very edge of the Yeah, I think in this because... specific case, the fact that um, you know what a buster does. You know that they clear your table. So yeah. you have like an, an unspoken contract with that worker. You clear my plates. You put them in there. You're, you're done. You're basically like, here, you can have this. I'm done with it. And, and so you, you are willing. to tip for for clearing yeah, it out we're doing yeah. that yeah so you you understand that they are taking your plate whether you work there or not they're clearing your plate and you know that that's part of their job so i think in this case it holds up for that reason it's just that you like again if i get my tape my table cleared and and i'm not i'm not like hey buster why where are you going with that and tell me exactly what you're gonna do with it no you i understand that that dude's taking it to the garbage i understand that's the process okay wait right, i know that you cannot hear me but this is my point on saying that i what? feel the police this is my point in saying what i said i'm not arguing the fact that they should have been able to collect it when they collected it i am arguing the fact that the police officers could have been waiting in the kitchen for the bus boy to come grab the shit off the table and bring it to them without dressing up as employees well i think and yeah, again i can't talk anymore this is killing but me yeah, yeah it's I a know. lot it's it. a lot cooler when they dress up as the actual busser and take but i'm sure it is but just overkill and fucking nail it because <laughs> it's like the movies well, I think in, it goes, in this it case, goes from a, it goes from a private place to a public place, right? Mm -hmm. A restaurant is private. You can't, an officer can't go into a restaurant and like swab a glass from someone that had drank from it earlier because it's a private business. They don't have rights there unless they have a search warrant. But the minute all of that trash gets put onto the street and into public property, anyone has rights to it. Yeah. But again, I think they used the officer himself to clear it because uh, when they did clear the plates, they had the the buster bin. And so you put the dirty plates. He didn't take just his. He took like a bunch of people's plates, you know, to make it look legit. So he separated it, though, where he put Lonnie's plates into like one section of the bin and then to put like a metal divider in there and put the rest of the plates in the other. So they knew this is Lonnie's plates. These are not. And that's why I think the buster would have just taken everyone's plates and put them together. And then they would have, I mean, they, they could have taken the time to sift through every plate to find the right DNA. Even, but yeah, but it this is a been... time sensitive issue. This guy's out killing somebody, you know, at any point he's well, killed three more people in the two thousands. So this is now a time sensitive situation. They got to do what they got to do to expedite the process. Yeah. It was, it was uh, preserving evidence because if, if that plate or that cup or that knife or that fork got put into the general pops knives and forks and glasses then you have a transfer of dna and it's mm. it gets really murky in court versus taking it yourself separating it and knowing this came from table six this is where lonnie was sitting i know this is lonnie's shit mm -hmm. and being able to separate it 
versus letting cross contamination happen. And did they use like somewhat nefarious like options tactics, to, yeah. to tactics to get it? Sure. But that yeah, happens probably. all that happens all the time. It happens more than any of us know. Uh and the only reason we know about it is because he was caught and we found out how he was caught because of these nefarious actions. Yeah. No one's going to like, how can you, um, a question how, how police gathered that evidence if it didn't come to light? Cause you wouldn't know about it. Yeah. You wouldn't know if they didn't tell you about it. Yeah. You wouldn't know about it previous, but they used that, those tactics to get a serial killer off the streets. And I think everyone's like, I don't give a fuck yeah. how he did it. Yeah. You got him off the street. Yeah. That was, that was a consensus of how Great. they felt is like, get this, just get this done, man. Just, we need, just hurry up. Yeah. But, um, so yeah. So after the arrest of Lonnie and during the pretrial phase, obviously, uh, Killcoin and the rest of the 800 task force were patting themselves on the back. But even they could not hold on until the trial was over. You know, six years is a long time. So most of them, if not all of them, ended up retiring before the trial even started. And, you know, okay, so this part was nuts. You want to know what's super fucked up, dude? Is that shortly after the 800 task force arrested the Grim Sleeper, and um, they had found evidence that he had murdered an additional four women. Like when they searched his house, you know, when they did that three-day search, they found evidence of four more murders. And they, were they, they didn't to, like coordinate, like were, were they able to pinpoint him as being the, they, yeah, they, he is uh, the, um, well, how do they phrase it? He, it's attributed to him, okay. but yeah, I wasn't trying to throw because, you off track. I was just trying to see, no, like, no, you're yeah. Were they able to no, nail so, him for it as well? Yeah. Or? Yeah. It, it's, they know that he did it. Yeah. Okay. But because they didn't want to slow down the trial and make family wait even longer. So this was before the it would take forever. So they're like, okay, so during, they have the 10 women, right? The 10 women we talked about. And so they're like, okay, 10 women, we'll take that to court. While they're investigating, they found evidence of four more, but they're like, okay, if we add them to that, it'll just slow down justice. It'll just slow it down because they didn't know at this point that it was going to be six years. Anyway, they had no idea that it was going to take that long. So they didn't add it to it because they're like, well, we don't want to make the family wait even longer for justice. So we're just not going to include them in the charges to expedite the process. He's already going to go. We know he's going to get death or yeah. at least life in jail, prison. I mean, so, so they're just like, the, there's, there's the, no point to it. The four others were like, we would try this separately. From, separately, yeah. From the the known, the 10, ten. known. Yes, 10 known, exactly. <clears throat> nail him for these 10, put him in fucking life without possibility of parole. And then once that's all said and done, then try him for the other. That was a thought. Four. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was the thought. Yes. <clears throat> okay. I think if they had known it was going to take six years, they probably would have added it anyway. So as far as Lonnie's death toll, it is officially 14. So it just sucks that they didn't want to slow down the trial, but then the trial takes six years anyway. And these four women were named Sharon Alicia Desmuke. She was 21 and she was murdered on January 15th, 1984, a whole year and a half before Lonnie's first official part of the 10 uh, first victim was discovered a whole year and a half before. So by 1984, he was already killing four years later on August 15th, 1988, the body of 28 year old Inez Elizabeth Warren was discovered in an alleyway 
but she was still breathing when they found her. Unfortunately, she died in the hospital later. The third victim was Rolinia Morris, and the reason she is attributed to Lonnie was because her ID and Polaroid pictures were found in Lonnie's garage. Unfortunately, though, Rolinia's body, her, her body was never found. She has never been found. So they, they just saw the Polaroid pictures of her and knew that she was like a missing person. Yeah, and, she was. Yeah, then, she had been reported. And then, yeah, connected, connected the dots and said, mm-hmm. yeah, person. so they, so they, what they did is they we talked about this uh, with uh, Christine Palasek. Uh, they had a list of missing women, right? All kinds of women missing. And then so when they found evidence, they uh, went through and connected the dots to four of these missing women. So they knew she was already had been reported missing. And now they found proof that she was in a serial killer's home. So you put four and six together, you know what I mean? Um, but so they, they weren't able to find her body. And no, never, never found her body. No. So the family didn't get like that closure, clo- closure of like mm-hmm. burial. That, right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Ter- that's terrible. It, yeah. So the fourth woman was 43 year old Georgia May Thomas. She was found on December 28th of the year 2000. Um, and okay. So those were four. Um, that were attributed to him that were provably his doing mm-hmm. but there were possibly two other murders as well when they all they did was find the driver's license of 18 year old Ayella Marshall who she was on that list as well right and but there was no other like at least with Rolinia they had found other incriminating evidence to say that okay this was this was Lonnie who did this however all they found was Ayella's ID and her body was never found either. So um, that, that that one's <clears throat> relatively difficult for them to prove that to he prove was, it's not provable that, that, yeah. that he murdered her. He was so, in possession of her ID. Her body was never found. She's a missing person, but they can say like, yeah, without a benefit of a doubt, he was probably the reason why she's missing. Yeah. Then there was the only known male victim who was 36 year old Thomas Steele. And he was thought to be a friend of one of the victims, or maybe Thomas had found out that Lonnie was the grim sleeper. Um, and so Lonnie killed him. Um, so we have convicted the 10 convicted women that he has. So he's convicted for 10, uh, attributed for and suspected of two more. So that brings a total to 16 now. Um, but, you know, like I said, both of those cases had little to no evidence that tied Lonnie directly, without a doubt, to their death. So these two are not attributed to him. He's just the main suspect in both. And there's so during I'm, I'm, I'm assuming there's nothing. Sorry, I don't no, you're I'm not trying to prolong <coughs> right. the episode or anything, but I'm um, I'm learning a lot like most of this, like firsthand from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm assuming they didn't find any other evidence that was directly connecting him to the murder. They just were like, he was associated with these people. Yeah. Yeah. Or exactly. found evidence, but they didn't find evidence of the murder or a crime scene or, or they didn't find their body, but like, yeah, not even, even they, today. Right. They, they haven't yeah. found anything that, can connect him to those murders. directly yeah yeah so like he's like i say suspected of it and they have good reason to believe it was him but there is no provable evidence to go with that okay. and you know you can't just go in to court with you know candies and nuts you got to have 
Well, yeah, I mean, you got a jury of 12 people that you have to make them believe without a reasonable doubt that they did this crime. And, you know, having two people like, we found their IDs at his house. Mm -hmm. That's not going to, that's going to convince a lot of people, but not 12 random people. Right. Who are doing this legally by the book. Yeah. Who need to have rules they have to follow. Yeah. Without a reasonable doubt, they have to, you know, because he's going to be going in for the rest of his life so they have to suspect with without a reasonable doubt that he was in fact the reason why they're missing or dead or you know yeah because they, 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 even then they still can't prove that they can't prove that they're dead they can prove that they're missing can't prove yeah missing yeah. and dead it's, a lot of times there's just saying that it's hard to prove murder without a body yeah you know you could be like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this guy killed him, but without a body, you don't know if that person's actually dead. So you can't really say that in court. I could have their wallet in my back pocket, but you can't prove that they're dead. They're just right. missing. Good luck finding me guilty in a court of law type of thing. So, so. so during some more pretrial hearings, uh, a lot of the family members were able to like say their piece and read their impact statements to Lonnie directly. Um, but so was the Grim Sleeper's only known survivor. Anitra was finally able to talk directly to Lonnie, and she said what was on her mind, not only to Lonnie, but to the system itself. I'm thinking the reason he is being dragged along is because we will eventually forget about it. And it is not going to happen. None of us are ever going to ever forget anything. And had the situation been reversed, and I had been the blonde hair blue-eyed or a high school student with blonde hair and blue eyes or even a Latina light skin closer to you, it would have been over with. Now, as I said earlier in the series, I think I said the last episode or even the first episode, uh, whether you agree with the notion that the authorities have been putting in less than 100% effort to not only catching the perpetrator, but to making sure justice is served in a reasonable time frame and not six years, is just is seriously not relevant what you feel is the police do or don't do is not relevant because you are not the victim in this case this is anitra the survivor telling you this is how she feels because of what she has seen and this is what the the how the family the uh, the deceased even the family members how they feel so like again even if you think oh the police are doing what they can that doesn't matter these victims feel that they are not being given the attention that a light-haired or blonde-haired blue-eyed woman would have got and that's all that matters is that this is how the system had made them feel this is how they perceive reality so after this statement anitra switched her focus completely and spoke directly to lonnie you knocked us out and we passed out you shot me and left me for dead I don't know what happened to me. I know what I woke up to, but I know it is you. You could sit there and ignore me all you want, but we had a conversation where I told you if I died, you had to take care of my children because I didn't know you from Adam or Eve. And if God had let me die, I would have come back and haunted you every day of your life. But instead, he let me live. So I'm going to still haunt you because I'm still here. I think you just got mad because I told you no. You was too short for my stature because 
I don't like short men. And I'm sorry I like them tall, dark, and bald, okay? And I'm not going to lie. You bothered me. I didn't bother you. You bothered me. You harassed me for a ride, and I told you I was okay. I can walk by myself. I wasn't going that far, but no. Then you want to harass me and talk about, no, that's what's wrong with you black women. Like, you know white women are only good enough for you, so this is what you do to us? This is what you do to us? The women who cared to you was a black woman. You, a black man, how do you disrespect us? So, like, you don't even know how to stand up for you. No, you deserve whatever you get and then some. But God is going to take care of you in another different kind of way, and I know this. I feel this. I knew when I said no, he would take he would make me feel guilty about not allowing him to help a black woman home, you know? Shit, that's a mind game. I thought I forgave him, but I was wrong. Lord, forgive me now, but I was wrong. I thought I could forgive him being in the Christian spirit, but I can't. Because you have done a whole lot more to young kids who didn't even get a chance in life. You stole so many people's lives, their lives. Did you want to sit here with a grin on your face and hold your head up like some high standard thing? You can go back to Satan where you belong. Tell him. You tell him. Yeah, so. Demetra ended up with the tongue. I'm I'm glad she got to do that. That's I can I can picture that being a healing moment for her where she finally got to say her piece to this piece of shit. Can you imagine Um, like being there in the court, like being either a part of the jury or being just like because they allow like normal you can go you can walk into any court yeah essentially and sit there and witness what's going on but can you imagine a statement like that i i feel like uh if it were allowed i know it's not you can't really hoop and holler but you know um uh swords and uh nick swords and his character where he's like doing that uh like, yeah, like he's the hype man. Whenever yeah. I, I can picture him doing, he's like, yeah. Whenever she's saying like a good point, it's like, that's right, motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, yeah. and yeah, uh, go to jail, motherfucker. Yeah, you go to life, bitch. Fuck you. The movie with Jamie Kennedy where he's uh, in the hood where he, he talks like a black guy and they try to get him to not be. Uh, oh. Malibu's most wanted. Yeah, it's yeah, Mas- yeah, Mal- yeah. That's what I picture yeah. him is. Uh, Nick Swartz in the back, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, just like being her hype man while she's talking shit to his face. Yeah, that's got to be, that's, that it, had to be a good feeling. It had to been a, a great feeling for her, just being able to, like, get that out there, uh, and not uninterrupted. Yeah, not, not like feel pressure, like, to hold back or anything. Like, she's not handcuffed yeah. about anything. You could just fucking say what you feel. And that's yep. what she felt like. That's, that's a very impactful state, especially yeah. to a jury. Cause this is like, and that, she says she doesn't forgive him, but I feel like now, not that she's going to forgive him, but she can begin the healing process for real now. Yeah. You know, yeah. she's moved on with her life because that's how life is. But now she's like, okay, I, I got to say what I had to say. Yeah. And this was in trial stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like, I, you're fucking guilty motherfucker. I'm going to, I'm going to lay it down and I'll give a fuck what you want to think or say about it. I'm going to tell you how it is. Yeah, so during the actual trial, experts that had tested Lonnie's DNA, like the forensics teams, uh, and so these people were on trial because they tested it, and they happened to match um, 
Lonnie's DNA to the samples they had on file from the 80s and the 2000s murders. So they matched it and they got a, a range of possible uh, matches from one in 27 quintillion to one in 120 trillion at the lowest. The lowest possible, like it wasn't him, was 120 trillion to one. So that's hard to disprove. Yeah, and then at the most you have twenty seven quintillion. Yeah, that's, that it is without a doubt you. It's you, motherfucker. There, what? How many people are on the planet? Like eight billion, or I don't know how many people are on the planet. Sounds about right. But I'll you go right at the low end, one hundred and twenty trillion on the low end. So, like, this is in other words, like the DNA absolutely belonged to Lonnie Franklin Jr. Without a doubt, not not a hair of doubt. Seven point nine billion. See about eight billion. Cool. It's the world's population. Yeah. So one hundred twenty trillion at the low end. Yeah. This is. There's no way it's not you. Without a reasonable so, doubt. <laughs> any you. kind of doubt at yeah. all. Yeah. yeah. Do you motherfucker? So when it when it came time for the prosecution to rest, the defense took their turn, and the defense's strategy, as as we all know, usually is pretty shady. They got they got to say what they got to say. So. The uh, the defense's strategy was to point out that there was also DNA of other people found on the victims because they were sex workers. And there's no way to prove that just because Lonnie's DNA was found on the victims means that Lonnie was the one to kill them. Maybe it was one of the other two DNA profiles found on some of the victims. Uh, you know, maybe it was the other DNA profiles that murdered them. It didn't have to be Lonnie. So they then took that a step further. And said that the killer was actually Lonnie's nephew and that the nephew had watched Lonnie and was like obsessed with Lonnie, wanted to be Lonnie. And he saw these women he was picking up. And once Lonnie dropped them back off, he knew the nephew knew that he couldn't charm them into having sex with them. So the nephew would swoop in and have his way with the same women as his uncle and then kill them. The problem with that defense is I'm pretty sure Lonnie doesn't have a nephew. There's, there's no. You're, you're pretty sure, or the defense. That the way that they said it in court and in the book was, they were the the defense was saying he has a nephew and this is who actually killed the women. The prosecution was like, if he even has a nephew, why would he do this? Like, where's his DNA then? Why is it matching Lonnie's only? Where's his DNA? Because the only DNA that time after time after time, all fourteen, sixteen, or fourteen um victims. His DNA was there. Yeah. Where's where's this where's this nephew DNA? You know, where's that at? So if he exists and he has and then the defense is like, well, if he is his nephew, he has access to that firearm because Lonnie's sister's the one who bought it. He has access to the garage. He can put all this shit in there. Uh, you know, he he's his nephew. Why wouldn't he be allowed in his house? But yeah. again, I'm not sure you if you guys know, does Lonnie have a nephew? I don't think he does. So that's kind of like a, because even the prosecution, like if there was other DNA that kept coming up, we would have talked about it, but there wasn't, there just it's, wasn't. It's, and one in 27 quintillion chance that it was his nephew. No, no, that doesn't add up. No, it's, it's, it's the defense uh, grasping at straws, which is absolutely what they do. What like, they do. It's what they do. That's what I was saying. Times what they, they, find, they find the one thing that, oh man, without, can I convince these 12 people because again remember as far as like a jury trial goes you have to convince 12 people without a reasonable doubt that this person 
committed this crime. And if you and can if find all you, that doubt, just that doubt, you can yeah, find that sliver yeah. of doubt, and convince one person, one person out of twelve, it saves your client because you're defending him. It saves your client from the death penalty or life without parole. You somehow yeah. get them life with the possibility of parole. Yeah, like you, you said, even if you get like one person. or two, one or two people to be like, maybe he did have a nephew. That's all it takes. All so fair. they're just trying to put that seed of doubt that's even if it's not a hundred like there were other DNA profiles on there. So they have they have to say the truth in court. So they did find DNA profiles and then they extrapolated be like maybe it was like we did find this DNA. This is who it could be. Even if it's not necessarily true, you just gotta plant that seed of doubt and then yeah, that's all you gotta do. The whole defense wins. You know what I mean? Have you watched the movie? Um, I think it's called Sharpshooter. Yeah, I think so. With Liam Neeson. Oh no, no, I was thinking of the Mark Wahlberg one. Shooter. Uh, that's Shooter. You gotta watch Sharpshooter. I think it's on. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's on Hulu or something. I think it's on Amazon Prime. It's the same. Well, thing. I saw it on there. It's yeah. the same thing. It. He, um, he's. Uh, it's not Liam Neeson. In any case, I'm fucking Christian up. Bale. No, I don't know. Having fucking Alzheimer's. I can't mm. remember the fucking lead character. He's he's in like a bunch of action yeah. movies, whatever. Um, <clears throat> oh, it's Tom Cruise. Is it Tom eight. Cruise? Yeah, yeah. This, I don't yeah. know how you forgot that, but I don't know how I forgot that. In any <laughs> case, long story short, same position. Uh, he's he's brought in as a uh, outside um, investigator who in the beginning he thinks this guy 100% he's guilty. And then he starts looking at the clues and realizes he's not guilty because of all these reasons. Hmm. But then his thinking is, I have to prove to a jury that this guy didn't do it, but instead this guy did it. Yeah. And all of the... all of the evidence, 100% of the evidence points towards this guy, except for a small amount mm-hmm. that he finds that's more of like a conspiracy theory points to a different guy. And he has, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's that managing, like, like how defense works. Cause he's yeah. working with the defense attorney in this movie. Yep. And he's like, how could you defend someone that is guilty? And it turns into like, well, he's not guilty. But now you have to prove that he's not guilty. Yeah. And everyone says Change, guilty. changes up everything. Yeah. yeah. It's the same. Thing. Well, it's just like, like, I don't, I don't know if you've seen the little things uh, with Denzel and um, what's his name? Singer of 30 seconds to Mars. Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Um, so yeah, he, they're in okay. that. And um, yeah, so it, it, that movie pissed me off. So I actually looked it up and the director had talked to, I forgot what news article was, but he says that, uh, he put just as much evidence of this guy's guilty as this guy didn't do it. There's equal, like if there's nine points of the movie where like, dude, that guy's the killer. There's nine points of the movie where it's like, was that guy the killer? But- and he did that on purpose. Like e- either way, no matter if you think he's the killer or if you think he's not the killer, there is not enough evidence to prove one either way. And that's kind of what he, the defense is doing here. But um, on May 4th, 2016, the jury had made their decision and Everyone who had ever worked on the case, every family member of the murdered women made sure to be at that hearing to witness firsthand what the decision was going to be. 
At 1.30 p.m., the verdict was ready to be delivered, and one by one, the 10 names of the murdered women were read out loud, and then one by one, he was found guilty on all 10 counts of murder, along with the attempted murder of Anitra Washington. One week later, his sentencing trial was held, and the defense had put forth their best efforts to try and convince the jury that they should not put Lonnie to death because... A few years from now, when the science is better and you can prove without a doubt that the murderer was not one of the other two DNA profiles found on the victims, they're still harping on those other profiles. Uh, so they're like, if they if the if the science gets to the point where they can test them and they can prove it's not Lonnie who killed these women, you're gonna regret and putting them to death. You're gonna feel guilty. You're gonna feel guilty. So don't don't vote for death. Just put them in jail forever or prison forever. And but you know. Despite all that, Lonnie was sentenced to death on Monday, June 6th, June 6th, 2016. He spent the next four years of his life at San Quentin State Prison until he was found dead in his jail cell at 7.20 p.m. on March 28th, 2020. And that was the story and end to the Grim Sleeper. And they so, never released how he died. No, they never released how he died. Excuse me. And they actually, uh, the so he, infuriating part is he never said who, why he did these things. Remember when he was um, try, trying to kill Anitra, he kept saying, Brenda, you always dogging me. They never found out anything personal about this dude or why he did what he did. Never. He never spoke. So I think um, his crimes and being put in probably like general pop in – the like like max level uh security prison right. i he killed himself you think so four <clears throat> years in there probably had enough of there's the bullying there's no reason why someone in the jail would kill him he wasn't a sexual predator he didn't kill underage people um it doesn't fit the profile of a normal like he got fucking killed by his fellow inmates it seems like a suicide to me well we're running we're running out of time here but one thing yeah, i want to end the time. note that's, on that, that's my yeah that's um my well i, I want to make time for this slight conversation it might take like five minutes um i because it's a pretty big deal we and, still got plenty you know of time. you you guys uh, out there listening to this uh we we genuinely want to hear what you think not only about the story but like this next bit i want your opinion so the Grim Sleeper is named the Grim Sleeper because he stopped killing in 1988 and restarted in 2001. Did he stop killing for 13 years or did they just never find the bodies? Is he, does he have many more bodies we don't know about? Or did he really stop after Nietzsche and then think, oh, 13 years have passed. I'm probably good to kill again. Like what, how many more victims are there? If any, do you think that he stopped or did he keep going? It's a good question. I, th I think he never stopped because he was a garbage man. And if he knew the route and when someone's going to be picked up, they found two of the bodies in a dumpster already. You know, they just happened to find them before the dumpster was taken. So if he knows the routes and he knows when they'll be picked up, how, who's to say he didn't dump bodies in trash cans. And there now those, unfortunately, possibly those bodies are in a, you know, a giant landfill. Uh, landfill. There's no way to know that. I don't think he stopped. I don't know how you stop for 13 years you when don't. you even, and especially when someone like him who in his head got away with it, because how many times did he go to jail for stealing a car? 
for, you know, doing whatever, how many times did he get a slap on the wrist for whatever else he was doing all these other petty crimes. He never was even for how long was he? So he started killing in 84 and or 83 ish. And then he got caught in 2010. I mean, that's 27 years, 27 years of going without never, no one even bringing up your name that it could be you. 27 or is that 17? Well, I think he started in 83. I think this was his first one. If I, or 84. 84. Oh, yeah, so, 84. It's, it's, so, yeah, so it's 20, 2010. Yeah, if it's, it's 2006. That's seven. Yeah, that's... Yeah. So 26 years he went uh, without anyone bringing up his name. So you would think he's got to have... Be cocky about it or something. Like, I can get away with this. And he yeah. did. For if I don't think he stopped, dude. I, yeah. I don't think so. And yeah. like I said, I want your guys' opinion if you're listening to this. Let us know, did he stop? Do you think he stopped? Like, I genuinely want to know. Like, I, I feel like I'm alone in thinking that he didn't stop. I don't think he stopped. I don't no? think he stopped either. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not alone, apparently. Not so that's alone. good. All three of us, good. you can't yeah. go that long uh, once you get that, like, quote-unquote, taste for blood. Right. Uh, you're You're not going to stop. He just got better at hiding the bodies. I think I think that's because, like I said, he knew the routes of the sanitation department. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's un, uh, as shitty as it sounds. It's as easy as putting him in the dumpster the night before that it's due to be picked up and it's gone forever. Yeah, prove us wrong. Yeah. Well, we hope you enjoyed our second serial killer in our uh, lesser-known serial killer series. Again, thank you, Josh, for this one. This was a massive story. I hope we did justice. Spent three shows on it. Yeah, we pulled, we extracted as much information from the, the sources we had. As, yeah, the series as we could. So, I hope you guys liked yeah. it. Emily, I can't. Yeah, oh, give us all the stuff. Find us. <laughs> no, Come please on. don't. Go, do it. No, no, do it. No, do so it. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram. We have a TikTok now. We only have one video up because it takes time to make videos, and we have full-time jobs. But we'll get better at it. Um, you can find us on Twitter. You can send us messages on anchor.fm. Uh, you can email us at bloodthirstypod at gmail.com. Um, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah. We'll see you next week for another serial killer. Emily? Thoughts? Bye. Bye. <laughs> Your thoughts, Emily? No thoughts. <laughs>